Folks, you are listening to On the Edge with K.A. Owens. I'm K.A. Owens, and we are broadcasting from the top of the Hayburn Building in Louisville, Kentucky. You are listening to WFMP-LP Louisville, and that's 106.5 FM on your radio dial. You can learn a little bit more about our station if you go to forwardradio.org. And we are live streaming now, which means that you can go to that website, click on a button, and listen to us anywhere in the state, anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world. So again, folks, you're listening to On the Edge with K.A. Owens, and I'm K.A. Owens. And today... We're going to start off our show by just uh, mentioning an upcoming event. Um, the legendary Maddie Jones is being recognized by her church, First Congregational Methodist Church, on Sunday, November 14th, 2021, from 3 to 5 p.m. The address is 3810 Garland Avenue, 40211. RSVP to F. CMC.official at gmail.com. So, uh, Maddie Jones moved to Louisville from Memphis, Tennessee as a child and graduated from Central High School in 1951. From there, she went on to attend Indiana University for a brief period, but ended up transferring to the University of Louisville which had just desegregated its main campus. She then left college to join the Black Workers Coalition to fight for employment equality. For over six decades, Jones helped organize countless demonstrations, public conversations, and boycotts, focusing on everything from desegregation to women and workers' rights and environmental justice. She also marched against segregation in public schools and for open housing in the 1960s. Jones, a founding member of the National Alliance Against Racist and Political Repression, describes herself as just another soldier in the Army for peace, justice, and equality. Maddie worked closely with the late Ann and Carl Braden of the Kentucky Alliance and the late Reverend Lewis Coleman of the Justice Resource Center. Maddie and Reverend Coleman also worked together to see that a high percentage of minority-owned construction companies were involved in the creation of Papa John's Cardinal Stadium and the KFC Yum Center. To honor Jones' 85th birthday in 2018, two blocks of River Park Drive were designated Maddie Jones Way. Jones and her husband, Turner Harris Jones, had nine children and raised 120 foster children. When she received the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Freedom Award from the city of Louisville in 2020, Jones said, as a Memphis native receiving this award is especially poignant. She was in the city preparing for a demonstration on April 4th, 1968, when Dr. King was assassinated. Again, that event, uh, recognizing Maddie Jones, is 
at First Congregational Methodist Church on Sunday, November 14th, 2021 from 3 to 5 p.m. And that's 3810 Garland Avenue, 40211. Carla Wallace wrote an op-ed that was printed in the Carrier Journal on Wednesday, November 10th, 2021. The title of it, KKK Members in the Sheriff's Department Demonstrates Who is Inside the System. And this is how it begins. In the summer of 1985, Robert and Martha Marshall's home was firebombed in the Sylvania neighborhood of southwest Jefferson County. Carla writes, I remember standing with them amidst the charred remains of their home as we held vigil there in support of their family and in protest of what had happened. The civil rights lawsuit brought by the marshals all those decades ago has now led to the recent revelations in the Carrier Journal that Mike Loran and Gary Fisher, two current officers in the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office, were members of a Ku Klux Klan group within law enforcement. This is not shocking news. In the 1980s, it was discovered that some members of the Louisville Metro Police Department were Klan members. The Kentucky Alliance Against Racist and Political Repression fought to have them removed. We argued, how can you swear to treat people equally regardless of race, carry a gun doing it, and also take an oath to the Klan? But it is deeper than that. We are not talking here about a few problem sheriffs or bad apple cops. We are talking about a system whose roots are on the recapture of runaway slaves and whose work today is at the top of the list when it comes to feeding mass incarceration and perpetuating police violence disproportionately against black people, people of color, and poor white folks, too. All over the country, including here in Kentucky, there are sheriffs who belong to the far-right Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, believing they are the law instead of agents of its enforcement. CSPOA has its roots in white nationalism and anti-Semitism. Absolutely, we must demand that police and sheriffs who are part of the KKK or other white nationalist groups not be allowed to be in these positions. But it is outrageous that we even need to be making this argument. We must go beyond this and begin admitting that police, sheriffs, jails, prisons, and detention centers have not and will not make any of us safer. Who is inside the system is an indictment of the system and all of us who are silent in the face of it. 
the carceral state does not solve crime. It manages people, a form of social control in a system that puts profits over people. The dirty context for all this is the fact that the richest nation on earth refuses to house the houseless, provide health care for the sick, commit to peace over war, and guarantee safe working conditions and living wages for all workers. And the list goes on. L-S-U-R-J's Peace of Justice work, and that stands for Louisville Showing Up for Racial Justice, is to bring more white people into multiracial movements for change. Far too many of us today remain complicit in upholding racist systems. But we can draw courage from the example of some white Louisvillians who showed up with their black neighbors against the KKK in the 1980s. They joined vigils for the Marshall family and fought the Louisville police as part of the Kentucky Alliance Against Racist and Political Repression. They decided to do something, and so can we. That there are sheriffs who belonged to the KKK in the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office is only a symptom of what is wrong, and the cure must go much deeper than simply removing them. This was an op-ed that was written by Carla F. Wallace, who is the co-founder of Louisville Showing Up for Racial Justice. It should be noted that the Friday, November 12th uh, issue of the Courier-Journal reports, ex-Klan members to leave agency, captain to retire, deputy to resign after CJ report. This story is written by Andrew Wolfson, and it says, the captain and deputy in the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office, whom the Courier-Journal disclosed were Ku Klux Klan members decades ago, are leaving the agency. A spokesman said Captain Mike Loran is retiring and Deputy Gary Fisher is resigning. This is the first step in the long process of healing for our agency and moving forward to strengthen the respect and trust of all our citizens, Lieutenant Colonel Carl Yates said. In a statement, Sheriff John Aubrey said he found the disclosure shocking and very disappointing and said both men expressed sincere remorse for their actions decades earlier. The Kentucky Center for Economic Policy has written about how Kentuckians would benefit from the Build Back Better Act. So Ashley Spaulding, Jason Bailey, Dustin Pugel, Jessica Klein, Valerie Frost, and Pam Thomas have written Kentuckians' economic future and family well-being hinge on passage of the Build Back Better Act, now in front of Congress. 
the legislation contains landmark policies that will create millions of good jobs nationwide, filling crucial needs in the care economy and in the transition to clean energy. The act would lower family costs on necessities ranging from child care to higher education, from health care to housing. The plan also reduces inequality and raises revenue by closing tax loopholes and increasing rates for the very wealthy and profitable corporations and investing those resources in communities. Highlights of the Build Back Better Act, according to the Kentucky Center for Economic Policy, are that it continues historic expansions of the child tax credit and earned income tax credit. The BBB plan would extend and in some cases make permanent critical recent improvements in the poverty-reducing child tax credit in the American Rescue Plan Act, and that's the ARPA, the transformative changes to the child tax credit are lifting a phenomenal 44% of Kentucky children above the poverty line and helping 929,000 or 92% of Kentucky kids. Through 2025, the Build Back Better Act would extend ARPA's increased annual child tax credit amount, 3000 to 3600 per child, and its availability for children up to age 17. And it would continue to make half the credit available to families up front through monthly checks or direct deposits. Crucially, the Build Back Better Act would make permanent the ARPA provision that allows for children in families with very low incomes to be eligible for the full credit amount. Before ARPA, the child tax credit partially or entirely excluded 422,000 Kentucky children in families with low incomes including 59,000 black children and 38,000 Latino children. The Build Back Better Act would also make permanent the ARPA's earned income tax credit expansion for adults who do not have children and who work in low-wage jobs. ARPA increased the maximum EITC amount from $540 to $1,500 and the income cap for eligibility from $16,000 to $21,000 and extended eligibility to include younger adults 19 to 24. Making these provisions permanent would benefit 
256,000 working adults in Kentucky, 17% of whom are black, Latino, and Asian. The Build Back Better Act creates universal preschool and makes childcare more affordable. It includes funding for universal preschool and expanded childcare that would make quality care and education available and affordable for the 325,750 Kentucky kids age is five and below. For the 114,500 Kentucky children who are three and four years old, the plan creates a preschool program for all kids that is completely free to families. It can be implemented through public schools, licensed child care programs, Head Start grantees, or a combination of those entities. It also includes funding for public schools to help repair, modernize, or rebuild school buildings, an $82 billion investment that would create a million good-paying jobs across the country. The expansion of child care assistance would occur in two phases. The first phase would occur during the initial three years of the program, which would expand the state's existing child care and development block grant to cap child care costs at a sliding scale that reaches no more than 7% of income for low- and middle-wage Kentuckians. The second stage, beginning in federal fiscal year 2025, would create a shared state-federal entitlement to all families, regardless of income, keeping the sliding scale of up to 7% and making child care no cost for Kentuckians earning under 75% of the state median income or SMI, which was $52,295 in 2019 Kentucky. As a result, child care would be free for families making less than approximately $39,221 a year. For a Kentucky family with income of approximately $70,000 a year, this plan would cut child care costs by 32%. The Build Back Better Act establishes a paid family and medical leave program. It would provide 12 weeks of paid family and sick leave for workers who have had a new child, are sick, or have caregiving responsibilities for a family member who is sick. This benefit would replace lost wages on a sliding scale with low-wage workers, that means $15,080 a year or less, receiving the highest replacement, 85% of wages, and high-wage workers, over $250,000 a year, receiving the lowest replacement, which would be 5%. 
Workers claiming this leave would need work history in the three to six months prior to using the leave. Currently, Kentucky has no laws requiring employers to provide paid family and sick leave for its civilian workforce of 1.9 million people. And nationally, only 17% of civilian workers worked for an employer that offered paid family leave in 2018. The Build Back Better Act makes community college tuition free. The proposal provides two years of tuition-free community college with tuition and fees set at zero for all students for states that opt in to the federal-state partnership. Currently, more than 70,000 students are enrolled in the Kentucky Community and Technical College system. Despite relatively low tuition and fees compared to other higher education institutions in the state, a large share of KCTCS students take out loans and have high rates of student loan default. The Build Back Better Act also increases Pell Grant amounts. Now, the Pell Grants are the federal need-based financial aid program, increases uh, those amounts by $500, bringing the maximum Pell Grant amount to nearly $7,000. In 2020, more than 92,000 Kentuckians received a federal Pell Grant. In addition, the bill includes funds to provide tuition assistance for students at historically black colleges and universities like Kentucky State University, as well as aid to support the institutions themselves. The Build Back Better Act expands home and community-based services. There are 29,600 Kentuckians receiving long-term services and supports in their homes or in the community rather than in a nursing home. At the same time, there are over 10,000 Kentuckians waiting to receive those services, but cannot because Kentucky pays for only a limited number of people to use those services. The Build Back Better plan provides $190 billion nationally to help with this need by increasing the share the federal government pays for home and community-based services by seven percentage points over the next 10 years. That extra money would be spent on providing services to more people, broadening the services offered, improving worker pay and benefits, and otherwise improving HCBS provision. 
So again, folks, you're listening to On the Edge with K.A. Owens, and I'm K.A. Owens. And today, how Kentuckians would benefit from the Build Back Better Act. Just $30 a month in summer EBT benefits was found to reduce childhood food insecurity by 30%. Despite its success, until now, summer EBT has only been provided limited funding as a demonstration project with only a few states to participate each year. The Build Back Better Act would take significant strides toward eliminating Summer food hardship by making summer EBT available nationwide, providing families with low incomes $75 a month in grocery money for the next seven summers. And just as a note, an EBT card is an electronic benefits transfer card that is loaded with food stamps and or cash benefits. P-EBT refers to pandemic electronic benefit transfer. Folks, we want to thank the uh, Kentucky Center for Economic Policy for the information that I've just been providing to you. And that was written by uh, Ashley Spaulding, Jason Bailey, Dustin Pugel, Jessica Klein, Valerie Frost, and Pam Thomas. Folks, uh, you have been listening to on the Edge with K.A. Owens. I'm K.A. Owens, and uh, this is Forward Radio 106.5 FM. We are broadcasting from the top of the Hebron Building in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. If you want to find out more about our station, go to forwardradio.org, forwardradio.org. And we are live streaming now, and so you can go to that website, uh, click on a button, and listen to us anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world. Thank you so much. Back next week.